Grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Brother Daniel, did you guys see that there's a video in there tonight? And so if you can just be prepared for that here in just a moment. Titus chapter 2, uh, verse number 11. Let's stand together uh, again. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. And we'll read down through verse number 13. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I'll read verse 11. Join me on 12 and we'll finish out with verse 13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, the next few Wednesday nights, we're going to start a series, and it's going to be entitled, Make Room. We think about Christ and all that he has for us, but our lives get so cluttered that we don't have room for what he has provided. You know, when we think about the, uh, the innkeeper and there was no room for Jesus in the inn, but we think about our life and all that God has for us, not only do, may we not, we might not have room for Christ in our life to the extent we should, but maybe it's even a little bit bigger than that. Maybe we don't have room for what Christ has provided for us. We have accepted him as our savior. I'm looking around. I believe that I'm looking at saved people tonight. But we're not all availing ourselves of all that Christ has provided. His coming has given us more than salvation. His coming again is giving us more than salvation. And so uh, we're going to be looking at making room, making room. And let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Pray that you would help us uh, this season. May our minds, our hearts uh, just be softened. May we be recentered uh, with a focus on you, not on a season, not on uh, events and uh, things that are going on in a busy world, but Lord, may we make room for, for you and for what you have provided for us. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight. Speak to hearts for Christ's sake. Amen. And you can be seated. All right, so uh, we are in a season of what the Protestants call Advent. All right. Now, I have never been in a part of a Protestant church. Now, the Protestants are those that came out of Catholicism. So in 1517, when Martin Luther wrote the 95 Thesis and, uh, and uh, nailed it to the door and sent that to uh, the, the bishop, uh, that thesis was declaring that uh, he did not agree that uh, dealing with the indulgences in the 
Catholic Church was selling indulgences. Uh, that is when purgatory came out. That is when uh, they started uh, monopolizing and monetizing heaven as though some person, uh, you could give money for the for repentance of sin, the penalty of sin, and that you would go from having to be in purgatory, uh, that that uh, uh, holding place uh, to where you could go into heaven. They say that during those selling of indulgences, that they were selling indulgences for so much money that one indulgence would pay for a cathedral. So we weren't talking about indulgences for the common people. We're talking about to the rich. We are talking about, and it trickled down, of course, but it was, it was you pay, and now uh, you, you don't have to uh, pay. Uh, you pay financially, and you don't have to pay uh, consequences. And so uh, with that, uh, Martin Luther uh, and the 1517, uh, the 95 Thesis, that is pretty much considered the beginning of the Reformation. And Though there were some uh, people that have already had already pulled out uh, of Catholicism because of uh, those teachings, uh, they still look at Martin Luther as though he was the beginner of the Protestant movement and the Reformation. Uh, But with that, as Baptists, we didn't come out of Catholicism. So when you look at our form of worship, you look at our form of the structure of, uh, of the church, the church polity, you look at our worship, you look at our Bible uh, teaching, preaching, our doctrine, they do not mimic Catholicism. You look at the Methodists, you look at the Presbyterian, you look at the Lutheran, uh, you look at the Unitarian, uh, what you will find is their worship looks just like Catholicism, just a little bit different. Uh, and so uh, with that, uh, we, are, we are not Protestants, but the Protestants have hung on to some of the things of Catholicism. And what does Catholicism have? Catholicism has uh, what's called a liturgical calendar. All right. In the liturgical calendar, uh, you have the uh, you have Christmas time, uh, and they've got the year literally broken up in seasons. And so you have Christmas time, uh, and Christmas time is not the end of the year; uh, it is the beginning of the liturgical year. And so you have Christmas time, and then you'll have what they call ordinary time, and then you will have Lent, and then you will have the Paschal uh, time, and you'll have ordinary time on both sides of that and then you'll have uh you'll have easter time and then you'll have uh the uh the ordinary time all the way back up to christmas time uh easter time and then christmas time and so uh with these here uh you have uh what is also called advent and that is right before christmas time and so we hear about these things called Advent, all right, and so uh, in the Baptist churches, we don't have, uh, we don't, we don't celebrate an Advent season, all right. Why is that? It's because that is a Catholic premise. Now, what it means, though, we believe in. 
It is just that we don't follow a liturgical calendar. We don't follow a calendar that says you have to preach on this on these six Sundays and you have to preach on this during these times and the people will stand and recite and sit and stand and sit and kneel and sit and stand. Uh, How many of you have been through a Catholic service? All right. I have only been through one. I was blown away. I've had people in the Baptist realm that have said, how can we have to stand and sit so much? And I'm like, obviously you have never been to a Catholic service because it, it was up, down, kneel, up, down. I mean, and I, I wasn't doing the up, down, kneel. I, I stood when they stood. Uh, and, uh, but I was, I was like, okay, I'm, this is not me. All right. And so, uh, but anyway, regardless, we're not, we don't have that Advent scenario. Uh, so we don't often even really understand what is meant by that. Uh, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, just to, in some instruction, but I've got a video. I was just going to tell you, uh, and I thought, man, I heard this video. I was like, this is so much better than what I could have ever said. And it's a little bit comical as well. Uh, and so let's watch this little video here uh, as he, he discusses this thing. But he's going to go from the Advent calendar. How many of you have Advent calendars? All right. Okay. So, and, and with that, the history of the Advent calendar ties into, of course, Advent. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's go ahead and watch this.
Amen. So with that, here you have uh, the Advent calendar. You have the history, really, of Advent. And when you look at the, the, the emphasis of what is being celebrated, these, these are things that we do believe in. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look just uh, a little bit here uh, the next few weeks at some of the things that the Lord has given to us, and we'll be focusing on the Lord's coming, uh, and not just his coming uh, to to us uh, in, a, in a cradle, uh, his coming uh, has given, his coming has given us hope when he came in a cradle, uh, his, uh, his coming has given us hope. Uh, when he went to the cross, but his, his coming also is going to give us hope when he comes in the clouds. And so uh, just focusing on him. And so uh, with that, uh, we want to make sure that, that we, are, we are focusing on him. And so that first one uh, that was discussed there with the advent was hope. You know, the Lord's coming brings hope brings hope. It not just, it not just is, it's there, it's available, but it's not always received. And so for us, his coming has provided that. But have we received that? Not salvation. Do we live with that in hope? So if our life is full we don't have room for hope. We don't have room for all of the, the virtues that the Lord has given to us. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, uh, it says, Now abideth, uh, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Uh, but, but with that, there was faith and hope. And charity. First uh, Thessalonians one three, remembering without ceasing the work, uh, your work of faith and labor of love, and patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. And so uh, the testimony that we should have, uh, that we have hope in the Savior. And then Titus uh, 2.13, uh, in our text tonight, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, with that, I just wanted to uh, stop and really just think about, are we preparing ourselves for all that the Lord has provided for us? Uh, he has... His, his sacrifice has made so much available to us. So uh, making room for hope. So what brings hope? Uh, to a believer, what brings hope? Uh, several things. Number one, a prophetic promise. A prophetic promise. The prophetic promise of Christ's coming brings hope. Uh, if, if there was not going to be hope, then why would God have, have promised why would he have uh, put those, those prophecies into place? Uh, why? Because he wanted his people to have hope uh, that he was coming. Go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. And on this side of the Savior's coming, the prophecies, the prophetic promises that the Lord has given should give more hope than they did to those who were on the other side. 
Because for us, it's seen. For them, it was yet to come. We can look back with history to say that Christ did come. The Messiah came. But the people on the other side, they had to just believe that he was coming. And when the Lord promised that there was going to be a Savior coming, they had hope uh, in trusting that he was coming. Now, uh, God's people, they missed this part of the cross. They missed the part of uh, the church age. Uh, and they, they just saw that Christ was going to come, Messiah was going to come, and he was going to free them from all the burdens, from all of the afflictions and the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, countries that would Uh, afflict them. So Jeremiah 23 and verse 5, the Bible says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Notice that B is capitalized. And a king, notice that's capitalized, shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name by where he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Uh, What do we have? We have Jeremiah prophesying that the Savior was going to come. And that prophecy was, was prophesying deliverance. It was prophesying safety. It was prophesying that they were going to have someone who was going to deliver them uh, from their burdens. And so the prophets had told God's people uh, that there was a Savior coming. A promise was made. Go to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. In verse number 15, 10 chapters over, Jeremiah 33, 15. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Notice again, branch. Uh, that is a, a term, a title of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that branch. He is that true vine. And, uh, and so here uh, we see that, that promise that he was going to come and he was going to execute judgment. He was going to bring justice. Uh, They were looking for that deliverance. And, and, And so often there was deliverance from circumstances, but Christ didn't just come to deliver us from circumstances. He came also to deliver us from the consequence of sin. Uh, and so he has delivered us, but that coming, what they were anticipating, they got so much more. In the Christian life, the Lord has given us more than we can imagine. He gives us and has more available to us than uh, we can process. Uh, Zechariah uh, chapter number three. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, the branch. And just again, that promise, Zechariah 6, 12, and speak unto him, saying, thus, saith, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. And so the Lord's coming uh, was what was anticipated. And they are anticipating here the second coming, not the first coming. It was, it was anticipating that second coming, when he was going to set up his kingdom on the 
earth and deliver them from all these, uh, these others that had, had come. And so as freedom, uh, the Lord's coming, especially his second coming, uh, is to bring us freedom. Uh, and Israel and Judah, they look for deliverance, but Jesus' coming, uh, it, uh, it provided deliverance here on earth, but also deliverance for eternity. And the Lord just gives so much. And so we see that prophetic promise. Uh, that promise brings hope. There was an anticipation that the Messiah was coming. Uh, and you know what? They, they missed the, the first coming. And here we are at Christmas season celebrating the first coming. But the reality is uh, we should be looking for that second coming. We should be anticipating and preparing for his second coming. And what does that do? That gives us hope. It gives us hope. And we think, oh man, the world is getting, it's waxing worse and worse. Uh, the Lord is coming back. That gives hope. If we quit looking at the coming of the Lord and quit having that expectation of his coming, we can get buried in the events of life. And we have no room for hope. But we do have hope. He's provided hope. So what brings that hope? Make room for hope. Uh, the prophetic promise. Uh, secondly, a prophetic proclamation. Prophetic proclamation. It brings hope. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Here, we're going to read some Christmas story now, okay? All right. So uh, with this, though, we, we go to Luke 1, and we have a proclamation. Uh, and this proclamation that was given by the angel... It gave hope. Absolutely, it brings hope. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king and of his kingdom there shall be no in. What do we have here? We have a proclamation uh, by the angel to Mary, uh, and he is proc uh, proclaiming that she was going to bring forth the Messiah. What does that do? That gives hope. Looking back, that was, that was hope. For the Messiah, that proclamation that came, that Christ was, was on his way. She was going to deliver the Christ child. She was going to be a part of the prophetic plan of God, uh, the, the promise that God was going to send forth his son and he was going to be born of a virgin. And in the Old Testament was prophesied. And here it was proclaimed that Mary was going to be that one that was going to bring forth the Christ child. What a blessing. What, a, what hope that that brings. And so uh, the Savior of the world was, has come. God in the flesh was coming. That brings hope. And so God in the flesh. We've got to make room for hope. We've got to make room for hope. We know, we know about Jesus. We know about his coming. But how much hope do we get from that? 
If it is just, if it is just knowledge that's just uh, cataloged away in the recesses of our mind, and we can we can spit out different uh, sayings, and we can spit out verses, and we can give answers for a Bible trivia, but if that's as far as it goes, and it doesn't bring hope into my life, then there's something missing because Christ came that we can have hope. He doesn't want us just to exist. And so uh, we have that, uh, we have to make room uh, for hope. So the prophetic promise to Mary is now, has now come true. And not just does that give hope for salvation, uh, it gives us hope that God keeps his word. Because he promised it before and then it came to pass. That brings hope. We know God can answer prayers. I don't know if he can answer mine. But he has in the past. So what should that do for our present? His, that proclamation, it brought hope. But that hope that came, it should give hope to us. Because now we are looking back and seeing how God promised, how that proclamation came true. And, and so the coming of the Savior was there. And so we had the prophetic promise. We had the prophetic proclamation. And then lastly, we see the prophetic presence. Isaiah chapter 7. Go there. Isaiah chapter 7. And here as we, we look at this prophecy... Again, we see that the Savior's coming, his prophetic presence. So Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what is it? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now notice the spelling here. Notice the spelling. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. Uh, Mary was not just a maid. She was a virgin. Don't let some scholar tell you that she, it was just another term uh, for maids of the day or a, just a young woman. Uh, there are so many, they're trying to take away the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, and, and God knows the difference between a girl and a virgin. Amen. And so the miracle is that a virgin conceived, all right? And so we see this, this, uh, this miracle. 
uh, that, that uh, took place. Verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So now when you look at this, Old Testament, they were married, uh, and there was an agreement that, that marriage, that license, that agreement, uh, and they were legally married at that point before they ever came together. So it was a two-part process. It wasn't all one in the same day. Uh, it was an, uh, th- there was an arrangement that took place, and then there was a period of time, and then there was uh, when the bridegroom would go get the bride, and uh, they would be taken away, and then uh, that marriage would be consummated. But that is this uh, Mary and Joseph, they were married, but they had not yet come together uh, with this. And he finds out that she is with child. And so uh, we have to, to look through this. And he was minded to put her away privily, uh, the Bible says. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, uh, we see that he was, uh, the Lord's uh, name was going to be uh, Jesus. Uh, he was called Emmanuel in the Old Testament. And with that was just stating God with us, that Jesus was going to be God with us. And, and you see, Old Testament, it was with an E uh, or with an I. And then in the New Testament, it is with uh, and, uh, and E. Has anybody else besides me thought about why is that? All right. And so uh, trying to figure out why would it be spelled two different ways? It's both in English here. Why would they spell it differently? Uh, and it all came down to, to uh, the Old Testament was in uh, Chaldean and Hebrew, uh, Aramaic. New Testament was uh, written primarily in Koine Greek. And so what they would do is when it came to names, instead of uh, doing a word or letter for letter translation, uh, they would do what is called transliteration. Transliteration is you would use the letters in your alphabet that would sound the same as what it was in a different language. And so uh, when, when you, you look at uh, different languages, they're spelled, words are spelled the same, all right? Uh, just the other day, uh, I can't remember what uh, scenario I was in, but I was being served by Jesus. Oh, we went out to eat. And Jesus was serving us dinner. But it wasn't Jesus, it was Jesus. So 
different languages and they might say it differently uh, and pronunciation. So the Hebrew, they would take the letters and they would transliterate uh, the letter for letter that would sound like. And so that's how they came up with the E and the I. Uh, That's all extra. It has nothing to do with the message. Uh, Just for information because it bugged me. All right. Uh, But uh, anyway, we see here that the Lord's presence brings peace. It brings hope. Brings hope. His coming brings hope. You know, Matthew 28, 19, we we look at the, the wonder of the commission that the Lord has left us with, but the great promise in verse 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The Lord is there. What does that do? His presence brings hope. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our problems, his presence brings peace to any burden. It brings peace to any situation. And what does that do? That gives us hope. It gives us hope that we can trust him. We can trust him. His presence gives us hope that we will not be alone. Amen. Now, Sometimes we feel by ourselves, don't we? We feel all alone. Sometimes we feel nobody understands. Has anybody been there? Academically, we know that's not true. David, King David, when he had fled because Saul was trying to kill him, he had 300 mighty men that chose to be enemies to the crown to follow David put themselves in a position to where now they are enemies to the crown. They are are sought fugitives. And when David was in the cave of Adullam and 300 men with him that had pledged their allegiance and life, he said, no man cared for my soul. I looked on my right hand. Refuge failed me. No man cared for for my soul. He felt all alone even when he wasn't. We look at the presence of the Lord in our life, it should give us hope. No matter what our circumstance, no matter how many people are around us, no matter if we are by ourselves, physically we are not by ourselves. Why? Because of the promise of his presence. And that gives hope. The Lord's coming that he has come, that he is coming, it gives us hope. Gives us hope to keep on going. Gives us hope. And so let's not miss out. Let's make room for that hope in our life. Let's not fill it all up with worry. Let's not fill it all up with anxiety. Let's not fill it all up where we don't have any hope, any room to hope for future. We might not know how we are going to fix the situation that we are in, but we have a God who can. We have a God who knows. And so make room for hope in our life, that faith, that trust, that confidence, that expectation, expecting God to be Effectively and actively engaged in our lives. His presence, 
the advent, his coming, it gives hope. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for uh, being a God who does know every burden we face. Thank you for being a God who cares. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, as we go through our life, as we go through this season. Uh, Lord, may we uh, purposefully make some room for hope in our life. And so lead us and guide us. Thank you for these who are here tonight. Give us safety as we travel our own way, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen.